You are listening to Geek Fest Rants on the IC Robots Radio Network. You have located Geek Fest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Luke Skywalker was just a farm boy until he received a mysterious message from a princess. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's beautiful. Star Wars, starring Mark Hamill. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Harrison Ford. Boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're going to have to I think we took a wrong turn. Carrie Fisher. Relax. Alec Guinness. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. 20th Century Fox presents the most extraordinary motion picture of all time, Star Wars. Here's where the fun begins. No legendary adventure of the past could be as exciting as this romance of the future. Here they come. May the Force be with you in Star Wars. everybody and welcome once again to Geek Fest France. My name is Carlos Perone and today we are going to be discussing Star Wars books. Specifically, we're going to try to hit some of the original tie-in adaptations, if you will, of the books based on the films that came out. You know, not so much the EU. We are going to hit some EU things that are kind of like the big ones, the ones that are more special to us, but we want to try to compare you know, how some of these books differ from their particular films and specifically how the books through their different authors are allowed to put in additional information that was not necessarily in the script or basically written by George Lucas. So let's get started with Star Wars books. Plateau, Mirada, Burn the books, Montag. The books have nothing to say. When I was your age, television was called books. You, Mr. Bemis, are a reader. A, a reader? A reader. A reader of books, magazines, periodicals, newspapers. Joining me once again, I have Steve on the line. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hey, Carlos. Hey, everyone. Today, we are going to hit Star Wars books. Now, specifically, we're going to try to focus on how the canon works with Star Wars book, which that being the the, the primary uh, building blocks, I guess, of what is canon would be the, the books that are actually based on the films, which have gone through many different authors. Some of them were ghostwriters. Some of them are repeats. Some of them are one shots. Some of them return in different incarnations for the EU. But I guess the only way to start this is from the beginning. Steve, why don't you tell us about Star Wars 
by George Lucas, this new writer called George Lucas that nobody ever heard about. This up and coming uh, <laughs> uh, upstart here, George Lucas. The next well, Stephen you know, King. At, at, at the time, actually, he was a, a young and coming upstart. So yeah, I guess it, it works. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to. Um, I, in fact, before I begin, I just wanted to actually give everyone kind of like you know the, the reason why I wanted to kind of um, dig into this topic a bit. So uh-huh. back in 2012, when Star Wars and Lucasfilm itself really was sort of bought out by Disney or sold to Disney rather, Disney went ahead and made the, the creative decision to remove and to sort of momentarily invalidate all of the books that had accompanied the movies prior. So after Return of the Jedi, there was sort of a low period in sort of anything in regards to like canon about, you know, Star Wars or anything. And after that, in the early 90s, there was a sort of revitalization and some a few books started trickling out. You know, most notably was the Air of the Empire series by Timothy Zahn. Timothy Zahn yeah. And that was sort of like the big, you know, and the success of that was sort of kind of like open the doors to having this, you know, hey, wait a minute, we have this, this, you know, rich culture and rich history of, you know, Star Wars here. No, let's play in that. So all the, you know, the books started to emerge and it, it sort of created this whole, what they would call the expanded universe of Star Wars, where it sort of expanded upon what George had laid out in, you know, episodes four, five, and six. So there was a, a bunch of, you know, books and stories and, and, and there were many, many, many authors that sort of, sort of you know, dipped their hands in here into this new you know playground and they started you know writing stories and you know all these new um branching storylines started developing and it really got inflated into this huge you know sort of you know microcosm of you know different type of stories and you know luke going off and finding you know x y and z and all all these side characters were expanded upon i would say almost as crazy as the comics the comics also went everywhere oh yeah 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 the comics actually saw a lot of comics predate even the the expanded like the the novel the novelizations right but along the way they and it was always separate they always said this is one type of canon and this is another type of canon yeah exactly yeah and and, and i was just saying in fact george lucas never really recognized it he he never really wanted it to be a part of you know the true star wars canon he he didn't really recognize the eu as being you know part of his you know i I mean i I think he was you know he was obviously okay with them you know creating their own stories and doing your own thing with it but i i think to him he never really reconciled the two as being you know star wars movie canon with mm-hmm. the books no so no, no. when disney came along and they sort of removed all that it sort of and it had it had a really big following behind it so many people including myself sort of grew up with the eu books and for better or for worse when disney came along and you know you know undid all of that a lot of people were crying out saying you know you know why and you know they wanted to sort of you know have that back so I wanted to sort of go back to the, uh, you know the original three books here, look at some differences between them and the movies, mm-hmm. and then sort of progress and go along sort of with some of the EU in the period I was describing, and then go into some of the the new established canon. So to start, I wanted to uh, we might as well start from the beginning and start with the uh, the original Star Wars novelization, and. When I, I, I wanted to read all three back to back to back. I wanted to read, you know, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi in sort of a linear order so I can get kind of like, you know, the full scope of it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of differences, actually. The, 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 the novelization of Star Wars starts out itself as I would almost want to say it's sort of like a third party is writing it. Like it starts out in, is like in this thing called the Journal of the Wills. It's like an archaeological find and, yeah, and yeah. like you're reading this weird thing you just found in a tomb or something. Yeah, yeah. And 
it, it starts out, you know, in this whole like journal of the wills type prologue to it. And it makes you, it, it, and just like the movie, how in, in the opening, you know, in the opening movie, it starts, you know, as episode four, mm-hmm. you know, because it was added later. But the, the same thing in, in the book where it starts out with like, you know, from the journal, from the first saga of the Journal of the Wills. And it, it gives you that, you know, that really significant idea of like, you know, this is just like a lived in environment and, you know, you're kind of being tossed into yeah. it, you know, sort of media's res. So that itself, and, and, and the Journal of the Wills isn't even referenced in the original Star Wars anymore. So yeah. that is completely was completely removed from the movie. Uh, you, you gotta you gotta wait till uh, I think you gotta wait till Rogue One actually uh, to yeah. even so hear you, you the slightest bit. Yeah, and it yeah. also the, the the good thing about it is that the smart thing about it is that it gives you the feeling that you just jumped into something like midstream. It's not like the story begins with you. It's kind of like. You just jumped into something that's been going on forever, and you're just entering this world, looking around, learning new things about it, like new history of this whole story. But it's definitely not the beginning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's why I, I think sort of always enchanted me about Star Wars, because like it just tosses you in there and lets, and lets you kind of, you know, have to pay catch up kind of. Yeah. This is to kind of take everything in. You know, it's, it's, it was, it's a really great experience. So as I was reading this, you know, I was, I was getting the feeling, okay, you know, this is definitely going to be something a bit different because also in the first few chapters, I believe, we, we get the description of the Emperor. Uh-huh. And, 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 and he's, and he's, not the same character you think he he was you know portrayed to be you know in in Return of the Jedi. They describe him as being sort of like this like sort of like politician who's kind of like manipulated by by everyone. In fact, the way they describe the Emperor in the book is how Chancellor Valorum was portrayed in Episode One. Phantom Men- yeah, it's almost like Phantom he's a, like a fallen Jedi. He's like a fallen politician who yeah, I guess exactly. at one point was good. Which is very different. Half now, he's by the time we get to Phantom Menace, it's a different take. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. He, he's as like conniving as from the beginning. Know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one doing the manipulating, you know, the manipulating. But in, in, in the in the opening, you know, chapter of the book, it, it describes him as being kind of like this, like easily manipulated, you know, sort of uh, politician who had his glory, but you know, was kind of like now, you know, he's, he's basically succumbed to the, everyone around him. Yeah, and sounds just that, like Valorum. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I, I, I was sort of, you know, really shocked by that. I, that I, I had no idea that it was, you know, that was such a different take on it. And so, and just going through the rest, rest of the book, a lot of it does follow kind of beat for beat. You know, the the movie, rather the movie follows, you no, know, follows this rather. Well, it's it's really kind of hard for any of these books that we're going to talk about to say exactly where did the writer take creative license and when did they stick to the the script. This is a special book because the fact that, like we said before, it's credited with George Lucas, but it was Alan D. Foster who actually ghost wrote the book. So the question is, how much, you know, freedom did he have to expand on certain things this early in his, you know, in, yeah, in, right, in, yeah, good in the point. life of Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. And I also found a few other things interesting, where, uh, which I guess this was this was added later in the special editions, but the inclusion of um, of his friend Biggs, mm. there's was a lot more to it than what we see on screen, especially in the original cut. In the original oh, yeah. cut, nothing practically, just the end. Poor guy gets like a a shout out and a fiery death. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in the in the book, it, it goes into their friendship a lot, a lot deeper, which. I'm glad they sort of added it back into the special edition, you know, given the few scenes that he got. Plus, they shot a lot of the stuff at Tatooine with him in it. So if that was part of the script, that was part of what the writer had to go on. 
Yeah, right. That's, that's true. That's true. In fact, there was that new trailer that came out by uh, by Topher Grace that you see he used oh. a lot of like uses a lot of the, uh-huh. those, those type of scenes where where Luke and Biggs are together. And, and in fact, at the end of the book, it's actually Biggs who saves Luke instead of, instead of Wedge who, who, who gets <laughs> that shot off and you know say and saves Luke's bacon as they say. So uh, yeah, so just going through it, there's a, a few more things that kind of like, stuck out. Luke definitely had uh, going through the end. He he definitely had like a more of like a. I don't want to say a crush on Leia, but it, it was definitely something definitely more there that wasn't as subtle as as it was in the first, you know, in the first movie. Huh. <laughs> and, and, and so I found that I found that a bit odd. But so, so I'm, I'm I'm definitely guessing, you know, the story of making the brother and sister was definitely not you know intention you know intended this early. In, no, in- no, no. They they had to switch gears somewhere. Yeah, somewhere around Empire or Jedi, they had to switch gears because there is no way in hell you're going to convince me that it was there all along. Yeah, no. yeah. Despite what, <laughs> despite what Lucas would uh, would want us to to to, to believe. Mm-mm. Also, and one other thing that I noted was that I'm not, I'm not sure if you caught this. They say that in the book that Jawas were actually um, supposed to be sort of like related to or like connected to sand people actually like they were oh. they were they were they were supposed to be like like sort of um, like a grown-up version or sort of like evolutionary like offshoot of, offshoot of, of, okay of, yeah sand people. wow somehow, no i don't somehow, remember that wow yeah, somehow, somehow they, they they actually wanted to i guess connect the, the two <laughs> species i guess which is i found kind of interesting is in, in the movie we don't get we don't get any sort no of way yeah uh-uh. reference to that or anything so, so those are the big things I found, you know, that sort of stuck out to me in, in a New Hope that I, I that I really actually kind of like was like, oh, wow, that's 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 sort of different. So, moving on to uh, Empire Strikes Back, a few things I found where that uh, and, and this was a big one really, <laughs> where Yoda in Empire Strikes Back is actually blue. He's not, and and, and it seems like they go out of his, his well, way to like describe yeah. this. Yeah, they described him as like he had this like bluish whitish skin color and definitely wasn't green. Well, the problem was that I think from what I remember, and there's a lot of concept art of him being much skinnier, very frail legs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bluish. Uh, kind of skin looks completely different, completely wrinkly, raisin kind of individual. And even if you go to the comic book version of the movie, they even went that far because I guess they were working out of concept material. Once they actually started doing the film and they actually put the puppet together, they realized, wait a minute, this looks different. And I actually remember that the comic book in one of the later reprints i believe they adjusted the art so it looks more like the more chubby little yoda that we know now (laughs) but that would explain you know that at this stage of the game the guy that's writing this particular book is going off of very early designs of what yoda probably looks like that's interesting yeah yeah i think i know you're referring to reset the early concept art of of yoda where he he looks more like gremlin like like very like ghoulish like not ghoulish but like very like not as friendly. Yeah, <laughs> not as friendly yeah, not as cute. And, and, yeah, 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 right. So, so sort of glad they, sort of glad they, uh, they, they made the change to how we, you know, see Yoda now, because I think making him too, you know, beaten, uh, like feral like that, it didn't really, it didn't really look right, right for him. The whole training sequence with Luke and Yoda is actually expanded. But like, like, there's a few other there's a few other scenes of him doing a few more exercises that mm-hmm. uh, that were taken out of the movie. Um, and eventually, we'll show that in deleted scenes. You know, with yeah, the Blu-rays, right, right, we got right. to see some of those little bits. Is there anything about the Wampa that you remember from the uh, uh, from nothing, the novel? Nothing 
too different. I know he's he's definitely in it. Nothing that stands out to me that that was like, oh man, that they they really they really changed that. But on Hoth though, there is an interesting bit with uh, with General Veers. In in the movie, you see Veers. He you don't really see what happens to him after he blows up the the shield generator. Yeah. Yeah, you, I think it's the last we see of yours. But there's actually a scene in the book where actually he actually is killed after they do destroy the shield generator. I could have swore I saw I saw some storyboards of uh, I think either a, a, a rebel ship yeah, sh- yeah, crashing into yeah, it. Yeah, snow speeder. Is that how he's supposed to die? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, snow speeder. Oh, okay. I, I think uh, one of the characters, uh, his name is Hayskation now, but one one of the characters that we see in the movie. He he, yeah. he he crashed his snowspeed into the head of you know the walker, and it, it sort of has like a similar fate to when we see in the movie where the head explodes and you know the smoke mm. and, it fall, and it falls over. Yeah, because I remember in the movie, Luke goes underneath and he cuts a hole under, throws his grenade, but then they cut to a shot of the head exploding. It's like, well, why would the head explode if he's putting the bomb in the in, <laughs> in the, the belly in the of the thing? Of the, yeah, in the body. So the, yeah, yeah, that that would probably that's probably what happened. They switched it around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for a, a few more of the imperial side, uh, Admiral Piet, who actually uh, remains on board in the movie. He remains on board of the the Star Destroyer. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he actually comes down with Darth Vader, actually, and they both dorm the Rebel base together. Oh, um, yeah, okay. Cool. And, and interestingly enough, uh, Darth Vader's lightsaber. It, now, I'm not sure if it, if it continues through the whole book, but it, it, just, it describes his his lightsaber as being blue. His, his lightsaber wasn't red here. Yeah, his, really. Yeah, his lightsaber was was blue. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not sure if, if they continue through the rest of the novel like that, but in the, in the one scene, it said, you know, his he, lightsaber glowed blue. I was like, wow, okay, that's really that's interesting. odd. Yeah. <laughs> what struck me as odd about that is, that is the fact that A New Hope was already filmed at this point, so, and, they, and they would have known that his lightsaber would have been red, so I'm not sure why... <laughs> why they would have switched it to blue so that, that kind of that's weird yeah it, it was really weird and one of the um, one of the trips toward the end when iconic scene of when Han gets frozen in carbonite and and this obviously would have been you know obviously different in the in the book than the, in the movie but in the movie we know that when Han is about to be frozen you know Leia tells him you know I love you and you know he replies with the you know the now famous no, I know right right, um, right. but it, uh, that was added on set so before you know, before you know, obviously mm-hmm. that happened. His line in the novelization was different, and he basically just says, "You know, you know, don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll come back," which is, doesn't have that <laughs> same, uh, that same Han Solo, uh, same Han Solo charm that uh, that 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 Harrison added to it. So I thought that was kind of cool. I'll tell you what else I, I find interesting about the the. By the time we get to that second book, is that the first book was initially released, uh, I believe, as a hardcover book. And it was part of uh, book clubs. You could buy it through certain book clubs and you could buy it in the store. And they did obviously put a million paperback versions of it out there. But I think by the time we got to Empire, they went straight to paperback. I, I have yet to see a an American, at least, version of a hardcover Empire Strikes Back book. Most of the stuff that's out there seems to be old paperback. I wouldn't know, but uh, when I was a kid, I had, I had like a copy of, uh, <laughs> of like, it was, it was like one of those like um, for kids, like abridged versions of Empire Strikes Back. The the junior yeah, yeah, the yeah. junior novels yeah, yeah exactly, the scholastics yeah, uh, yeah. And I remember I remember and it had, it had like in the middle of it, it had like a little like pictures from the from the film and everything and of course yeah it was, you know, obviously paperback well they always had problems with especially with those junior novels with the scholastic ones I believe especially I remember with Return of the Jedi because they put them out before the movie comes out 
you would order your books in school. I don't know if they do this anymore. We, I remember in, in, in grade school that we would get a little pamphlet, a little like a newspaper pamphlet of all these books. And amongst those books, there were Star Wars books. So you would order those books and like a month later, they would arrive. Well, guess what? The Return of the Jedi book came a month before the release of Return of the Jedi. So all of a sudden now, there's a lot of people out there with the entire story in the Scholastic <laughs> Junior version of it to be able to read. And I remember... I ran home and read that thing top to bottom. I couldn't help myself. That's great. It was a major spoiler, but I didn't care. You know, I, loved I, it. I know. I remember in, in Revenge when Revenge of the Sith was coming out, they had um they, they put uh-huh. out the comics um before the movie actually came out. There was a four oh. issue comic run, and I remember this. I remember, I remember trying to like not read them, but I, I wanted to know anyway. So I, <laughs> I I just went ahead and bought them and read them before the movie came out. I explored it for myself. Now they're they're a little better. I think now they're purposely not releasing certain books till after the movie comes out to the point yeah, yeah. where they're like releasing them like a month later, two months later, three months later, which is like, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew it's that for, for last, uh, last Jedi uh-huh. Rogue One. They came, they came out way after um, yeah. the, the theatrical release. Yeah, it was different back then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll mo- mo- move on to Return of the Jedi. Yes. My favorite of the movies. This one, there was a few, there, there was, wasn't as big of changes, but there's a, a lot more like smaller, just smaller things. I found it interesting that uh, that Jabba the Hutt, you know, when Luke was trying to escape and he was threatening J- um, Jabba, basically saying, you know, you better release me. Jabba basically infers that he's killed Jedi before him. <laughs> J- oh. Jabba, Jabba makes a point of saying that, you know, but he, he basically implies this, that you know, you're not the first Jedi I've, I've killed, basically. Mm. And, and giving it sort of this credence that, you know, Jabba, that, that Jabba has kind of, you know, seen his fair share of Jedi which is interesting because you know there, there really shouldn't have been you know so many Jedi strolling by uh, yeah. strolling by Jabba at this point. One thing that I've, I've really enjoyed uh, with uh, Return of the Jedi is that they, they really fleshed out Mom Mothma's character. Um, in the movie, you don't really get a lot with the with her. She you know she has her you know her speech she gives at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. but you don't really see much of her. Uh, in the book, they, they at least focus a, a good you know page or so on her you know, and she, she's just as you no. Know, somber as you know, <laughs> as she is in the movie but uh, they kind of at least you know describe her but give her a bit more time to kind of you know kind of breathe a bit my favorite difference is the uh is in dagobah when ben is telling luke about who his family really is or who his family really was and the whole thing of you know, we hid you with my brother. It's like, yeah, what? yeah, exactly. yeah my I was, brother. I was, I was, I was hit on that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Everyone basically says that you know, Owen Lars was basically <laughs> his brother. Yeah, and that and that, uh, and that uh, his mother died. Um, you know, when they were, you know, uh, in fact, he said that they they died. You know, after they were already born, which flies in the face of right. what we see in episode three. Episode three. Where yeah. Padme dies and she never she's never seen them, but you right. know, they, they die in childbirth basically. Exactly. So um But I, I but I'm not entirely certain if this again, is this Lucas or is this the writer? Who who exactly yeah, yeah. you know, it, it seems like such an important thing, you know, for James Kahn, the writer, to write that it's not like saying the color of my shoes. Okay, who cares? They're brown, they're black, they're yellow. Who cares what the color of your shoes are? But such an important relationship between Ben and a brother we never heard of. 
I don't think you would let a writer just do that. That's not creative writing. That to me, that comes from Lucas. Yeah, yeah, that, that sort of changes you know, the narrative. But I mean, by a lot. So it, it just it just is very odd. Like you know, what was the impetus of him? You know, making that very large mm-hmm. change like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very 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 interesting. And yeah, and it also goes into how again Obi Wan talking to Luke, saying that Anakin fell into a pit of molten lava. Yeah. Yep. Which I guess technically is still true. <laughs> I mean, he, he didn't exactly fall into it. But, well, as a result uh, of a battle, but, yeah, okay, we can go with that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it, it, it tracks. <laughs> and yeah, so that that whole scene was 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 really 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 interesting. Um, a, a lot of the deleted scenes from the special editions and from the bonus material, Luke building his lightsaber, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and, and even the scene where C three PO is talking to the Ewoks. And he's he, and he's sort of trying to you know convince them you know to to, to help them out. They don't actually believe. I, it's not the whole thing where they think he's a god at first. It, 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 they don't actually believe C three PO. So it, it takes Han basically to kind of convince them. And is is Han is the one who says like you know the Empire is draining their all the Ewoks resources on the planet. And then he he actually convinces Wicket, mm-hmm. uh, the Ewok leader, to help the, the the rebels out. I thought that kind of interesting. The fact that they, in the movie they sort of you know had has has three people kind of be like the, the you know the big impetus yeah. that the Ewoks sort of changed. Let me go back to one quick thing that is a little off topic, but again, Luke building his lightsaber. And I don't know if we ever talked about this, but there is a theory out there. Again, this is probably a fan created theory or for the purpose mm-hmm. of retconning, but it's the the theory that. Why would Luke create a green lightsaber? Why would what would make him go to the color green in Return of the Jedi? Now yeah. I know the reason why they went green technically, and I don't know if we ever talked about this. The reason they went technically was that originally that was supposed to be blue. It was supposed to be another blue lightsaber. But the problem they had was that when they would ignite a blue lightsaber in Tatooine, right. the blue sky and the blue lightsaber would kind of blend and it wouldn't pop. It wouldn't come. It wouldn't show as, as strong as a red, for example. So they decided to go green because, as a matter of fact, there's still some trailers out there where, where you see him igniting it or holding it and it's blue against the blue background. It looks kind of weird. So technically, that's why they went green. But they weren't planning on doing it. So the question then becomes, how do you retcon the story for Luke all of a sudden out of the blue creating, out of the blue, out of the green, (laughs) creating a green (laughs) lightsaber? And I think one good story going around there is that, well, Obi-Wan Kenobi's uh, master was Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon had a green lightsaber. Okay. When Kwanga died, uh, you know, when he was killed, Obi-Wan gathered his remains, including his lightsaber, which is the one he used, I think, to defeat uh, Darth Maul. And uh, it became part of his property and part of the the junk that he had hiding in Tatooine in his house. So when Luke then went back to Tatooine to create the lightsaber after Ben was already dead, he was able to scrounge parts from Obi-Wan's hut. And in there, there was the proper crystal, let's say, to create the green shade instead of the blue shade. So that's a, I like that retcon story, which gets you back into into track of why he's got green all of a sudden. See, I, I love how fans can can sort of you know create, <laughs> no no it's true like like, so, like I really wish and not to get off my attention, but I really wish Disney would take some some of those ideas and 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 <laughs> you know motivation to to, to to reconnect things and make things kind of, because the biggest problem with the Last Jedi is just, it just didn't feel like it was connected to anything. <laughs> And, Do we really want to go yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, Do yeah, we really want to go not, there? It's not, it's not having a two-hour episode here. But, <laughs> but no, but that that, that and it's not, I wouldn't even call it a retcon. That that's just you know 
I don't know. That that that, that sounds good to me. I'll, I'll buy it. <laughs> I, I really like that. And, and yeah, and in fact, actually, now you mentioned that on the cover of the original Jedi book, Luke's lightsaber isn't even green. His, his lightsaber is, is, is blue. It's, it's blue. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at it right here, yeah. which is part of that original poster. Yeah. And and here's another bizarre thing having to do with the, the wrong color lightsaber. This film, of course, as everybody knows, was originally called Revenge of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. And uh, I believe Drew's poster. I, I think I never yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Drew Struzan poster, yeah. which has the colors completely reversed. Yeah. Luke has the red. Vader has the 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 blue and it's like is this an error and I haven't really gotten a I don't think I've been able to find a definitive answer to was it an error or was it some kind of trick they were trying to play on everybody you know to to kind of generate a buzz of wait a minute does this mean Luke is evil now and Vader is good is, or is it just a mistake somebody made and, and, and another thing about that I love that poster that's that's one of my um that's one of my favorite Star Wars, but like, I, I don't know why. I think I have memories of like seeing it in the theater, in, in, like you know, in like the the, the the theaters where they have like you know the, the hallway of you know like all the movie posters. That oh was, yeah, that, I that remember that. My, that was my favorite, yeah. and, and obviously my favorite movie. And, but another thing I, I noticed is that in the, in the top of the poster it says the saga continues, but it, it, it always struck me as weird. Is why wouldn't it say the saga concludes or the you know the or the conclusion of the saga? It it, it, it always seems okay, odd, like you know. It continues, yeah. Okay, let, let me give let me give my my rant on that. Oh, okay. <laughs> there is documentation out there because there's videos out there. You can watch the videos. When Kenner would do the uh, what today would be considered the pitch video, the promotional video of what's coming next year to get buyers to get all hot and interested about their product, they would put these little videos to these little films together, highlighting their properties. And Star Wars was a gigantic property for Kenner. You can find these on YouTube. On different videos, they advertise it as, and Lucas uh, is working on a 12-part story. 12-part story? This is back, we're talking about like, by the time Empire is out or, or Return of the Jedi is out, they're talking about a 12-part story. Then at some point, the videos change to a 9-part story. Then it becomes a six-part story, and then by the time we're done, <laughs> it's still a three-part story. So the idea of of expanding beyond three films was always kind of played around there, but I guess they had to wait with every film to see whether or not they would go that far. And I think what happened is by the time you get to Return of the Jedi, even though they had been dabbling with the idea of continuing with more stories to continuing the saga, this is the time where Lucas uh, was hitting his divorce and he was like, I'm done with this. I'm putting this to bed. I got bigger fish to fry. I got bigger problems in my life. I'm going to take a break from Star Wars. So he kind of put everything on hold, even though internally he might have had ideas of continuing, huh. you know, with that story. Uh, interesting. Yeah, because, and obviously, and, and, and that makes sense to, to, and so I guess in George Lucas's eyes, you know, always have like that, that kind of like bigger, you know, more of the bigger scope to it. But that's, yeah, that's that's interesting. Even Mark Hamill, there's there's interviews with Mark Hamill from the '80s where he's like, "Well, Lucas told George told me that we were gonna have nine movies <laughs> or six movies," and it's like, "Wait a minute, there's twelve, there's nine, there's six, there's three. Where where exactly are we?" So he's probably he was telling people all different kinds of things, and then I guess at some point he decided what to do, you know. It's it changed. That, it fluctuated, and that fits in the George's narrative of like, like how much of it was actually planned out. Because he's, there's multiple interviews of him saying, "You know, oh, I had yes. it all planned from the beginning." 
<laughs> and then other, he's and then got other, a million. Yeah, he's got a million ideas, and then he finally decides on one, and that's the way. But in the meantime, he's he's spitballing everywhere. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And just to, to, and to wrap up here, there's the other two things I found were, were sort of funny. Where uh, at the end of uh, at the end of the book, when the Emperor and Palpatine are are talking on the bridge, Palpatine sort of is Palpatine is a bit more like cheeky here he, he, he actually mocks yoda and his in his, in his speech pattern because, because after he finds out that luke was still training after Obi-Wan died he you know he, he questions him saying you know, who mm-hmm. trained him and he, he finds out it was yoda and so so, so, so he, he like openly mocks him and his like and his like talk, talking habits you know about how about how he how he you know phrases his his speech i found that backwards yeah funny yeah and the other one, and, and I, I sort of had, I guess, I, I sort of had my eye, I guess, focused on like the Imperials because I'm, I'm a big fan of the of the Empire. So I, I found Moff um, Gerard, who's uh, the character we see in the beginning of Return of the Jedi. Yep. He has he has a few other uh, extra kind of scenes, which again are, are filmed and I think in the in the, in the deleted scenes. And he he has like a sense that he's like kind of like full of himself, and he he has a few extra scenes where he's he's like trying to be kind of I guess like more important than he really is. And so I yeah. I, I, I really really would have kept like a lot of those extra scenes in because they kind of you know flesh out the uh, the the characters that we that we see that just kind of like background characters basically. But um yeah, so so that's what I pulled from the uh, the first three you know the original trilogy okay. books. And so I'm not going to go into it as exhaustively with the EU books and the the, the new can books. I just wanted to kind of like kind of like go through a few, kind of look at them, see if you if you've read any of them, Carlos, or if you have any any, yeah, any, yeah, yeah. any opinions on them. And and I guess the overall question is when Disney took over. You know Lucasfilm when they bought Lucasfilm when Lucasfilm sold. Them. Yes. I, I, I want to make it sound like you know it was like this hostile takeover. And why, in your opinion, would you think that they wanted to kind of wipe the slate clean and kind of erase? all of the basically everything that came before and then proceed to kind of cherry pick things one by one to bring it to canon well between this period of the the beginning of the eu all the way up to disney taking over let's say there have been a lot of incidents uh having to do with writers going into areas now granted they go into areas that they have to get approval for when a writer who's going to work for Lucasfilm, the, the, the writing division, the, the publishing division, they are told, don't touch this character, don't touch that character, and don't touch that character. And they, and they have to go by that or else those things don't get published. But I remember there were a number of incidents where a lot of things having to do with the clones, the clone army and how clones behave, that started to contradict the stuff that was happening in the Clone Wars animated series. And... I forget the name of the writer, but I think that particular writer got really bent out of shape that they were contradicting his creativity by Lucasfilm then doing the animated show and doing things differently. So that kind of started to create this these camps of people that are like, well, the EU is much better than these cartoons, or the EU is much better than these prequels. The EU is much better, and and you had like tribalism starting to take place. Which imagine that? Imagine, yeah. (laughs) Wow, that's a good thing. It doesn't happen these days. (laughs) But yeah, there was a big hubbub about that where people were becoming, you know, I'm all EU. Screw the rest of Star Wars. It's no good. The EU is where where it should be at. You know that kind of stuff. And yeah, there was 
a lot of stuff of that. A lot of contradictory stuff would happen. A lot of things that didn't match up between the, uh, you know, because Lucas created the canon of the films, which would then be followed by the canon of the television shows, animated shows. Then it would be followed by the canon of, you know, whatever, these yeah, other yeah, yeah. lower there, tier there's, canons. There's, there's a definite hierarchy to sort of yeah. uh, what is considered, you know, ma- master canon, I guess. Exactly. And I think with Disney, they had the opportunity to just wipe the slate clean, like you said, and said, all right, we're starting from scratch and we're going to select what's canon and what's not canon. Which gives them a, an opportunity, yeah, to, re- to start from the beginning again if they want to. It's up to them, but I think that's why. Yeah, and that, that, that's why I took from it as well. Um, because there's a, a lot of the uh, a, a lot of the books I read, depending on the author of you know the the certain book, they were kind of given, I guess, sort of freedom to sort of write, especially in the in the beginning. They're you know oh, given yeah. you know sort of a wide range of what they can you know do with the characters. Yeah, and I think they got more restrictive later because they knew that they had prequels coming out. Yeah, yeah. And then with the television shows, they were they were like, oh crap, we we have to kind of rein this in because we are going to have contradictions if we allow them to dabble into this particular side of the universe, and we're about to tell all these stories. So I think that's when when things started to feel a little more restrictive. And a little more difficult. It's because they were they were spinning like five different plates at the same time. Yeah, right. One of my favorite EU series is the X Wing series, where mm-hmm. it, it was the basically the stories of like Wedge and Rogue Squadron, basically, and uh, you know, and their and their and their misadventures. And this, this was like a good, uh, I want to say a good eight or nine series book, uh, you know, book series that you know would tell you know like the the stories of you know what, what Rogue Squadron was doing on these different missions. I really wish they would bring some of those back because they were really great, you know, really well in-depth stories of, you know, these characters. But then there were other series in the EU where it just seemed like the author just wanted to sort of, you know, make his impact on the Star Wars universe and sort of, you know, write these really crazy stories, you know. And some of them, like, like, you know, Luke Luke was cloned at one point and, you know, they had, they had like, all these really off the wall story like story ideas, and, and then they had like the whole Yuzong Gong uh, invasion, and so it, it, I guess sort of collapsed under its own weight, really. And it just got so big and so heady that you know one author was doing uh, one thing, and then another author was doing another thing, and it, it didn't feel as cohesive. Yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah, so you know, love it or hate the decision, I, I think for the best after Disney, you know, took over and they sort of wiped the slate clean. I think that that allowed them a sort of permission to kind of take a step back and say, okay, you know, let's methodically do this. Let's let's get like a a certain, you know, set of authors and let them, you know, slowly, you know, roll out what would be considered canon and do it in a much more, you know, controlled manner rather than kind of, you know, hiring as many people as possible and you're just dishing out stories like candy. Yeah, even Lucasfilm, again, what what Disney just did now is similar to what Lucasfilm did around the time of the prequels was like, they knew they were going to get back in the game. They did the special editions and that was the testing ground. Once they realized the special people were interested in watching these films again in a different manner, and they had the proper special effects. That was their green light to say, "All right, let's go. Let's go for the prequels now." So at that point, they realized they had to kind of rein it all back in. So there are these periods where they kind of loosen the reins and then they tighten the reins and they loosen them and tighten them. And that's 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 how I see it. All right. So let me get your thoughts on what would be the, what would you say the main differences like the writing style of the like the main theatrical releases like the episode like the episodic movies like uh, you know like the Last Jedi Force Awakens how would you compare that to some of the, and I know you haven't read all of the books but how would you compare it to some of the like the, the like the the books that 
have come out even recently. It, it seems like there's there's a, a focus on the books that goes all so, and I guess this is the nature of you know of you know a, a book over a movie. But the the books seem to have a much more like concise you know set story to tell rather than mm-hmm. recently some of the movies have been a bit more you know loose in the terms of you know actually telling you know you know one concise story like one of the books that i've read recently is called um star wars bloodline which it mm-hmm. it details this was this is post disney takeover so it is technically you know it is canon now okay and, and it deals with with after the events of return of the jedi but before the first order and it sort of deals with right. leia and, and the revelation that the galaxy makes, you know, with her, everyone basically coming to realize that she's Vader's daughter uh-huh. and, and her, her career as a senator, you know, after that news comes out, you know, across the galaxy. And th- th- this is a, a, a very popular book. Like this is one, it's written by um, author Claudia Gray. And this is like her really big book that, you know, is loved by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it just strikes me as like it's very different than you know the stories here versus the stories in the movies where yeah you know we know that it's not going to focus just on like Leia you know her political career obviously but have you noticed any sort of you know big differences between the the stories of the movies and the stories of the of the books either EU or not you know right 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 well obviously with the uh, with the EU material they don't have to s- stick to the script there is no script. The novelizations based on the films, they have to stick to that original story, and you don't really have that much room to wander off into subplots that are not part of the original film. They do let them do a little bit. So, you know, most of these writers are allowed to go into these little compartments and and expand these characters a little more. But obviously, I would say 80% of the story being told has already been pre-written. So they don't have that freedom. The style of the books also is different, obviously, from the first one to the rest of them. The first one, even though it's not really Lucas writing it, but you can see so much of the original script. And that original script went in through so many variations of characters. Luke was a girl at one point. Luke was a boy at one point. You have brothers. You have cousins. You have this. You have, you know... If you read the making of Star Wars by Rinsler, you'll it's it's nauseating how many drafts and how things change so much and how certain ideas get shelved and they come back 20 years later for future usage. That first book still has a little bit of that. Like you mentioned, the, they talk about the Journal of the Wills and then you never hear about them again. But it's like, as a fan, you're like, you put that in your pocket and you're like, uh, are you a real Star Wars fan? Yeah, I'm a real Star do you know about the Journal of the Wills? We talk about the Journal of the Wills. Yeah, yeah, it's on the knowledge right here. Look, it says Lucas is the Journal of the Wills. <laughs> How could you miss it? It's right there. But I saw the movie and it wasn't there. Hey, there you go. You got if you're if you're in the club, you know about the Journal of the Wills. So and and that kind of stuff was not in the later films because again, it didn't come so directly from Lucas. The writers were given just a. Uh, a script, who knows what version of the script, and they're told to run with it. And in all reality, it's just a part part of the marketing and promotional department. It's just another way of making more money for the movie, you know, to promote the movie. I, I can't really tell you how much they really, really think about, you know, until later when they really, when, when, when the publishing arm of Lucasfilm started to grow, like, insanely big just like the toy side grew and and the video game side grew the publishing arm started to grow so much that they had to really put some serious thought into it and uh yeah i mean that's 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 kind of how i feel right now the eu i've never followed it religiously i've only picked up a few books because 
In my opinion, there's just so much, I cannot keep up with it. And I don't want to end up with contradictory material. With that said, I did read the um, Darth Plagueis book, the James Lucino yeah. book, which completely blew me away. It was so good. And it does happen sometimes that some of these books become so popular that they sometimes dip into them a little bit and they show up either in a Clone War episode or in a Rebels episode. Some of that stuff sometimes comes back, but they don't fully, fully embrace it because I know they, to me, that it looks like they still want to keep that separation between what level of canon you're dealing with. And they don't want to give the writers really too much power. You know, you don't want to get their heads get too big like it's happened sometimes in the past and all of a sudden, oh boy, now we got to deal with this. But I mean, I know like their fans absolutely love like the Mara Jade character and the the, the sons of Luke and uh, and Han and Leia and all these other descendants. And it's like, well, that's not how it. The uh, Kylo Ren shouldn't behave that way because if they had a son, it would be more like this guy. It's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned the Plagueis book because that's another one that was that's really popular. And I read it myself. I read it multiple times actually. And. I'm not actually certain why they sort of, you know, completely removed that one from, you know, what technically is canon. You know, I use quotes now, canon. Yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. Because it, it, it's such a really a good story. I really wish they would sort of, you know, delve into that and sort of, you know, bring a few of those ideas back. Because it really, it really does. And, and, and I honestly thought they were going to do that with the mm-hmm. with the character of Snoke. You know, where they had, uh, I, 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 I really was feeling hey, the there's sort There's still of like, one more chapter left. Yeah, we, st- we still have one oh, more well, film. I mean, if they go back, it's going to feel very retconned, but I, I'll, I'll accept it, i sure. You know, he is, he is Dust Legus. So, so, <laughs> so, so, so let me ask you, would you want to see these style of books, like the EU books, be adapted? And just now that we have Disney streaming, you know, the, uh, uh, Disney Plus coming out, and they are going to need, you know, material to fill up, you know, to justify that that price point that they're going to be asking for. Oh, yeah. W- would you want to see some of these, like, some of the older books kind of adapted maybe into sort of uh, either animated series or maybe, um, uh, like, live action? Or would you want rather them to just, you know, completely you know, keep this separate and start, you know, fresh? As long as it doesn't contradict stuff that's already out there especially the, the the movies you know the stuff that's considered top top tier canon i don't mind seeing stories that are you know obviously you don't want the the, the, the they have to be popular books books that really i guess sold a lot and people had a good reaction to again the plagueis book to me seems it'd be perfect for a a season of something you know you can tell the whole plagueis story you know from beginning to to end in in, in a 10 episode arc you know that would be perfect but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Does that involve uh, negotiating with the writer? Probably not, because the writer has to sign off the rights and he has no control over that material after he wrote the story. So what? what where is the downside to, to doing something like that? I don't know. I, I honestly don't see where the downside is. Again, not every single one, because there's stuff that's completely forgettable even the fans don't care about. Yeah, sure. right, right. Yeah, there's, there's, But there's it's a lot there. Of... It's already there. <laughs> yeah, it's already, it's already out there. As much as I do enjoy a lot of the, the EU stuff, a lot of it was just so, like, you know, off the wall and like really just too much. And it brings me to my point of the original Timothy Zahn Thrawn series, which was well, the Thrawn uh, character is in is yeah, in yeah. Rebel exactly. was in Rebels, exactly. right? Rebels, yeah. And, Rebels, and like, yeah. there's yeah. a big crossover. Sometimes they do kind of dip into a little bit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? They cherry pick, you know, certain things that you know. I mean, the great thing about the, the Thrawn thing that they brought in was because. 
I didn't enjoy the original Thrawn trilogy. Um, I thought he I thought he was like this like he came up as like this like mustache twirling villain. Like, he, he was always like you know one step ahead of everyone else. Always he always had this grand master plan. Mm-hmm. Like oh you, you you didn't really know I had you know I had two other starships in hiding. You know <laughs> you, you know some, some stuff like that. Like, he would come up with these like completely off the wall you know. You know plots to, you know to foil yeah. all, you know the heroes and everything. My, but... my problem with Thrawn is again I have never read the book so I don't have the backstory of, of of the character. I know he's very popular. I understand that people go nuts when they see the action figure when it was announced and everything, and when they previewed it on Rebels. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have. Them. Yeah, my, my problem <laughs> is that I was always under the impression that one of the characteristics of the Empire is that they because they're the bad guys and they have to have some kind of socially unredeemable quality about them and i thought the empire's thing was humanity they're pro-human anti-alien so that the majority of you know you look at the empire you look in star wars it's all humans you look at even now in um in in the new order the first one. No, New Order is a, is a musical group. Uh, the First oh, yeah, Order. The first order. <laughs> Again, you look at the, everybody in uniform, and it's a human thing. They have this this pro-human thing happening. So I always find it kind of weird that you would have a character that is obviously from a, some kind of alien race that would be allowed to enter and get so high up in that yeah, in the yeah. ranks. The great thing about um, about the, the, the newer books is that, is that they, they sort of they sort of at least uh, they don't explain it, but they at least acknowledge it. Where they where they say that um, they give is a, 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 a few scenes of him being sort of um, mocked and sort of like uh, discriminated against when he's in the Imperial Academy when mm-hmm. he's like found and he's brought into the Imperial Academy. There's a few other officers and other people around him in the in the academy that sort of you know really. Are put off by him, and you know the, they give the, you know all these scenes of him being you know sort of you know discriminated against and everything. So it's definitely there. And they definitely acknowledge it. Okay. Yeah. So as he's allowed to rise to the ranks, then you know it comes out even more. And so just just a few other things I want to touch on before we wrap up. One of the the novelizations of uh, the Last Jedi, which is a a, a much a divisive movie that we all know, but the book I think, and I want to say the book was written. At least, you know, because, because the, the last Jedi script was written when they were filming The Force Awakens. Yeah, so the yep. so the the script of it was already finished. So I want to say that the last Jedi novel at least was being was started when they had at least a firm you know grasp on what the last Jedi movie would look like. So the author Jason Fry of The Last Jedi, he has this great scene in the beginning of The Last Jedi where it describes this fantasy that Luke is having. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, when his when, life would have been married. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he basically his, what his life would have been like. Windy. If, um, events that if the, if, the, if the events went differently on A New Hope, this scene sort of redeemed the entire oh, well I can't say the movie because it's not even in the movie I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't even say that <laughs> but, but if this scene were in the movie oh. it would have it may have redeemed the entire movie for me but, but the, the scene is great because it gives like this like you know and again I tie it back to where it says you know it does the thing I love in you know saga movies where it ties things together from previous you know from previous movies mm-hmm. which doesn't happen in The Last Jedi but I'm not going to go down that path <laughs> So, so, but, but, but there's a few things in the in the novelization of The Last Jedi where it adds in these scenes that aren't in the movie at all, that aren't even in deleted scenes, and, but it, it, it sort of fleshes out the character and it gives you these sort of like glimpses into, you know, the characters like Luke and, you know, what his life would have been like, you know, if 
if you know if 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 he wouldn't have had his uh, if he wouldn't have you know uh, gone down the path that he did. So, so I was wondering if if you've seen anything, if you if you've read any of the novelizations, if they've added something that you probably would have really appreciated that they would have been added to the movies themselves. Well, it's a little hard to remember the the, the prequels, and I know we're not going to go deep diving into those today, at least. From what I remember, it's definitely a topic. We'll probably come back. To yeah, that's that's definitely yeah. another trilogy we'll hit. But we, but since we are kind of dipping a little bit into the current one, yeah, I remember that same scene you're talking about. It was very confusing at first when I was reading it. I'm like, wait a minute, what what are, what are they talking? Oh, then I understood what it was. Yeah, and again, yeah, it, I'm back for? to that whole thing of is this the writer or is this the script? Is it the writer or is it the oh, script? I'm sure there's the writer. It's the writer. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And But I had issues. I mean, obviously, I had so many issues with The Last Jedi. But I also had issues with the manner in the, the book was published and the book was marketed. I believe The Last Jedi might have been one of the first ones that they delayed it so much after the movie was released. And yeah, then yeah. they sold it as a as an expanded edition, I think, or a special edition. Yeah, on the cover. Yeah, on, on the cover. Yeah, I'm looking at like, it now. It's, it's, it's an expanded edition. Why? Cover, what, what makes it an expanded edition? Because a writer adds a little bit of creativity into it? So did they, the other writers on the other previous nine or eight books or whatever. Again, my conspiracy theory here is that because they had a bad reaction to The Last Jedi and because they knew they were about to get a weird reaction. Not money. Money. I'm not this... I'm not discussing money here, but I'm talking about the the fan base splitting so much. I think they purposely held back the book and released it later because I think the writer had to go back in there and spruce it up somehow, put a little more things, explain a few things more deeply so that it kind of answers some of those questions that were loopholes in the script while we were watching the movie and then you read the book is oh that's what they meant by that that's what was happening that's why that didn't happen that way that's what this per- person was thinking again i'm just pulling this out of thin air i have no proof of this but i'm thinking it's just too much of a coincidence that this book would be delayed so much and then try to answer a lot of the questions that were very critical as soon as the film came out I, and and I, I heard that too, and I, I was so on board with that theory. But the only thing is, I, I listen to the audiobooks uh-huh. of these things a, you know, a lot. The only thing that poked a hole in that is is that the audiobook was set for pre-sale when the movie was like already on, it was in theater, and it gives you the the runtime. It, it tells you, you know how long the book is. Yes. So it says you know the, the book is for like so and so amount of time. And it was already, you know, set up for, for pre-sale. It never changed from when the movie came out to when it was actually on sale. So, and there's no way they could have gotten the same author to re-narrate I see what the you're entire saying. book for, for the exact same amount of time. Okay, that would that would make anything. that would make sense too. Yeah, that yeah, would make sense. I, 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 was, I, I was I was on board with your theory too. I was like, oh, they must be delayed. They, they probably want to, you know, fix some things and post and you know and, and you know try to you know <laughs> get as much as possible. But I, realistically, I looked at the you know the audiobook narration of it, and it, it never it was never taken down. It was never changed or anything. <laughs> modified and the fact that you know to, to record an audiobook it takes at least like you know a few weeks to get you know scripted and directed and you know cut and edited and everything so maybe that's that, exactly that, oh. maybe that's exactly why it took an extra three months to put it out because <laughs> they had to match that time and those page yeah, numbers <laughs> yes we're going down the rabbit hole now we're all the way yeah, down exactly. the rabbit hole <laughs> 
right, so uh. my, 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 the last thing I wanted to bring up before we, I guess we can put a, we can, we can put a pin in this one. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something maybe we can come back to uh-huh. um, just because of the other books. One of the books where I read was is a different sort of book. It's called From a Certain Point of View. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and now, now this book is interesting because it plays sort of with the idea of, you know, what's canon and what's not canon. And it sort of gives you these sort of short stories and sort of, um, I guess, like brief glimpses into different perspectives of characters. And and even just from the name, from a certain point of view, is obviously the line, you know, from, you know, that that Obi-Wan throws Luke in Return of the Jedi. But it goes through different scenes in A New Hope. And it gives you sort of like a different perspective, a sort of a different like look at, you know, the, the scenes that we're all familiar with. And some of them are really serious. Some, some of them are actually really sobering and pretty, and it's almost tragic. There's the story about uh, Bale Organa and his wife, uh, basically, since, you know, you know, their last moments on, you know, on, oh. on, on. I, uh, I have on, that book and I only read one story because we were doing the episode on droids on droid rights. Oh, yeah, right, and, uh, right, right. The, the, uh, these are not the droids you're looking for or the uh, we don't serve yeah, their yeah. kind. Uh, but I, I want to read the rest of it because there's so many. No, no, you, re- you really should. I mean, there, there's some in here that, that are just like, kind of like throwaways. Like, okay, yeah, okay, he's cute, but move, move, move on. Mm-hmm. But some of them are really, really good. There's a short story about um, one of the rebels who's, they're on Yavin, you know, Yavin base. Mm-hmm. And they, they know that the Empire is coming. And, and he, he, his wife is pregnant. She's giving birth. So he sends his, I, I might have the, the order of the events wrong, but he sends his wife and daughter to Alderaan <laughs> to, 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 as, sort of, as sort of, you know, a safe haven. You know, you know what could happen in Alderaan? So he sends his wife and child there. Sounds like a Twilight then, you know, Zone episode. Breaks, but yeah, and then the news breaks that Alderaan was destroyed. And, you know, and, and I'm saying it, you know, sort of a light tone, but the book was, it was really, I was like, oh, man, it's horrible and so it's this type of book where i i really you know really give props to the different authors that contributed to it because even though it it knows that itself is not going to be you know okay this isn't you know can isn't you know obviously you know officially recognized they still went you know about it in a way that was like you can give you a different perspective on you know all these different scenes you know from the movie and so and again it would be something, something like this where I would love to see adapted to you know maybe like a short like a, like a comic series or not maybe a comic like, a, like an anime series or something you know I, I can really see this on Disney Plus as like a as like a limited run or something you know yeah. it's, it's something I really recommend you, you definitely um, you, you definitely pick up because uh, it, it, it's if you're a fan of the original movie A New Hope it gives you this wild view of all these different characters from different points of view. The, the only other EU that I, I actually do remember reading uh, that I was okay with, I enjoyed it, was there was one about the the Death Star, the building of the Death Star. There was one about Obi-Wan. Like, what is Obi-Wan doing in Tatooine? And there was oh, yeah, one, no, I yeah, think, called no, Rise yeah, of Darth Vader or something, which is supposed to be Darth Vader right after Revenge of the Sith. Rise of Sith or, or, or Rise of uh, Darth Vader or r- r- something like yeah, that. It's, it, yeah, right, it's like right. one of his first missions, hunting down Jedi. Right. You know, which were which were pretty good. Uh, now again, I don't remember the, the the one about the Death Star might be a little contradictory now with Rogue One, so there might be some contradictory information. But uh, yeah, overall, yeah. The, still, the Darth Plagueis is the the big one. That's the the one that keeps standing out in my mind. Yeah, yeah, and, and that is, I'm a member of a few different, you know, like uh, Star Wars Facebook groups and everything. And that's another one that you you hear constantly over and over again, and how much people really enjoyed that yeah. book. And 
how they 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 really wanted, especially because the connective tissue in in Revenge of the Sith, oh, yeah. where they you know is directly mentioned. So so in fact, now that I'm thinking about it, that 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 would because in Revenge of the Sith they mention you know Darth Plagueis. So Darth Plagueis is technically still in canon, but it's just the fact that that oh, book itself, it has to be. Well, yeah, it's the it's the book. It's but it doesn't have to necessarily be the book, but it's the character does exist. The, the, yeah, the character exists. Yeah, 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 right, right. But no, this is like I said, this is great, and and hopefully we can hit a couple of the other ones a little more cohesively, like the prequels. You can hit those two yeah, at yeah, some point, yeah, yeah. and and back, all yeah. and all of the new ones, including uh, Force Awakens, Rogue One, Solo, and we already kind of did a little preview of uh, the Last Jedi. So definitely want to return to this one. What about you? Oh yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. And, and I have um, the only prequel book I don't have is the Revenge of the Sith one, so I, I definitely have to pick that up. I, I went oh. back and found the hardcover cover copies, like a thrift store, of Episode One and Two of the novelizations. I, I still have to get Revenge of the Sith. Well, the, the prequel ones I remember because there was so much hype about the prequels, especially with the first movie. There was like multiple covers, and you can get oh, yeah, all yeah. multiple covers. I think they kind of stopped that silliness now because people are like, no, we're not spending. We're yeah, not buying yeah, it seven yeah. times. They have like, all the faces. They have, like, yeah. they have like, all the characters' faces and everything. Yeah, yeah. but definitely, this, this is something that we got to return. So thanks, Steve, for, uh, for bringing this subject up and helping me uh, you know, put together this show. No, no problem. It, it, it scratches my Star Wars nerd itch. So. <laughs> cool. We'll talk to you later. Yep, talk to you later, everyone. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We went over a number of Star Wars books specifically the movie-related books, the ones that are expanded on and you're able to get a little more information than just what you saw on the screen. Those are the ones that I usually, you know, hit no matter what. I'm not a big EU person, but I always hit, you know, the movie adaptation books of whatever happens to be out there just to compare and contrast a little bit to see if there are any deleted scenes because, yeah, sometimes they do go off a script that had more scenes so that is a way of kind of trying to get you know those additional scenes back for the fans at least and hopefully we'll hit this subject again soon in the future where we can hit maybe some of the prequel books this time or maybe a little more of the more current ones so on behalf of everybody here thank you for listening and we will see you here soon at Geekfest Rants bye bye everybody hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? No. I thought not. It's not a story the Jedi would tell you. It's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise. so powerful. The only thing he was afraid of was losing his power, which eventually, of course, he did. 
Unfortunately, he taught his apprentice everything he knew. Then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. Ironic. He could save others from death, but not himself. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2019. <laughs>